This is the World in Brief from The Economist. Our top stories. Millions of Americans began voting on midterms election day, which will see hundreds of races for the Senate and House of Representatives decided, with most results to be announced on Tuesday night. Like it was 2020 once again, Joe Biden and Donald Trump took to the hustings hours before the midterms finale to blast one another's parties. Mr. Biden warned voters that a Republican victory, more or less expected, will weaken the country's democratic institutions. Mr. Trump promised to make a big announcement on November 15th, presumably that he will stand again in 2024. A group of experts established by the UN told delegates at COP27 that there must be stricter rules to stop companies being dishonest about their climate action. Antonio Guterres, the UN Security General, criticized the rank deception of fossil fuel companies, which have promised to slash their emissions, yet use loopholes such as carbon offsetting to continue to invest in the new production of oil, coal, and gas. Binance, a cryptocurrency exchange, is set to buy FTX, a competitor run by billionaire Sam Bankman-Fried, after the company faced financial difficulties and a liquidity crunch. Chengpeng Zhao, Binance's chief executive, tweeted that FTX has asked for his firm's help in a difficult period. FTX's FTT token dropped 30% earlier on Tuesday. Bitcoin and Ethereum also slumped earlier on news of the company's struggles. Protesters supporting Imran Khan, the former prime minister of Pakistan, blocked motorways around Islamabad, the capital, as part of an attempt to overthrow the government. On Tuesday, Mr. Khan was shot in the leg in a failed assassination attempt. He alleges that Shabazz Sharif, the prime minister, and civilian and military officials conspired to kill him. Pakistan's police have launched an investigation into the attack. The UN High Commissioner for Human Rights wants the immediate release of Allah Abd el-Fatah, a jailed British-Egyptian activist, a spokesperson said on Tuesday. Mr. Abd el-Fatah began a hunger strike in April and stopped taking water when COP27 began on Sunday. His family have begged Rishi Sunak, Britain's prime minister, to obtain proof that Mr. Abd el-Fatah is alive. America's National Security Advisor, Jake Sullivan, confirmed that channels of communication with Russia are open. It had been reported that he held talks with Nikolai Petrushev, his Russian counterpart, regarding nuclear escalation in Ukraine. Mikhailo Podolyak, an advisor to Ukraine's president, denied reports that Ukraine had been asked by America to begin negotiations with Russia and insisted talks could only begin once Russia had left Ukrainian territory. And NVIDIA, America's most valuable semiconductor company, is now selling an alternative graphics processing chip in China that meets the Biden administration's new regulations on chip exports. America's government has blocked the sale of cutting-edge chips to China in order to slow its rivals' military progress. NVIDIA's new A800 chip 
is less effective than its predecessor, the A100, at training AI models. And now here's a deeper look at the day ahead. A red ripple across America. Some Americans who rose early to vote on election day caught the morning's lunar eclipse. The sky's reddish hue was an auspicious sign for the Republicans, who are likely to win a majority in the House of Representatives and could take the Senate, too. I'm anxious, confessed a Democrat voting in Brooklyn. I think it's going to be a rout. The Economist's statistical model suggests that a Republican ripple is more likely than a red wave, but the GOP will need to recover only one of the two branches of Congress to be able to stall President Joe Biden's legislative agenda. That is not an unusual outcome in midterm elections, where voters typically punish the party in the White House. Less common is the risk this election could pose to the democratic process in America. More than 180 Republican candidates, running for the House and Senate, as well as for state-level administrator positions, deny that Donald Trump lost the 2020 presidential election. A majority have better-than-evens chances of winning. A new chief justice in India. On Wednesday, Dhyananjana Y. Chandrachud will be appointed as the 50th Chief Justice of the Indian Supreme Court. As one of the court's more liberal judges, Mr. Chandrachud has been instrumental in its most progressive decisions in recent years, including judgments that enshrined privacy as a fundamental right and decriminalized homosexuality. Now as Master of the Roster, Mr. Chandrachud will decide when cases are heard and which of the court's 28 justices will hear them. With nearly 70,000 cases pending, and just two years before he must retire at 65, he will have plenty to do. But his bigger challenge will be managing India's increasingly muscular government. Many Indians hope Mr. Chandrachud can make the court a more effective counterweight to the Hindu nationalist excesses of the ruling Bhartiya Janta Party, led by the Prime Minister Narendra Modi. They will find out soon enough. Upcoming cases include controversial ones about the status of Kashmir and a citizenship law that many fear discriminates against Muslims. The Costs of China's Zero-Covid Policy Financial markets are rife with speculation about when the Chinese government might relax its strict zero-Covid policy. One social media message highlighting the rumors has been dubbed the trillion-dollar tweet after it helped inspire a big rally in Chinese shares. But even as investors contemplate a loosening of fetters in the future, China's economy must endure them in the present. Official figures released on November 15th will probably show that retail sales shrank in normal terms in October compared with a year earlier. The growth of industrial production probably slowed too, and figures due out on Wednesday are likely to reveal that consumer price inflation softened. This domestic weakness is all the more troubling because foreign demand for China's goods is also faltering. The country's exports shrank last month in dollar terms. When China eventually relaxes its zero-COVID policy, 
it will be opening up to a global economy retreating into its shell. France's New Defense Policy Emmanuel Macron, France's president, will be winched from a helicopter on an attack submarine near the port of Toulon on Wednesday after making a speech unveiling a national strategic review. The review, drafted after Russia's invasion of Ukraine, will underline continuity in France's approach to defense, including its ambition to strengthen European strategic autonomy in ways that are complementary to NATO, and its hopes of acting as what Mr. Macron calls a balancing power. The speech will include some novelties nonetheless. Mr. Macron will announce the official end of Operation Barkhane, a French counterterrorism effort in the North African Sahel. He will add influence to a list of the country's national strategic functions, with the aim of combating disinformation and asserting France's interests. The annual budget for the armed forces in 2023 will increase by 7.4% to 43.9 billion euro, 44.2 billion dollars. And Mr. Macron will stress the need for increased national resilience from robust armed forces to industrial preparedness to face the risk of further high-intensity warfare in Europe. The Crown is back. The fifth season of The Crown, a television series about the British royal family, is released on Netflix on Wednesday. It begins in the early 1990s. John Major, Johnny Lee Miller, is Prime Minister, and Queen Elizabeth II, Imelda Staunton, in her 60s, stands accused by the press of trying to hoard power. Public support for Prince Charles, Dominic West, and his wife, Diana, Elizabeth Debicki, is high, and the heir is jostling for a bigger role. Now that he has finally ascended to the throne, the timing of the series for King Charles is awkward. Britons optimistic about their new king could have their minds changed by its portrayal of his scheming and the breakdown of his marriage. The program prompted criticism even before its release. Sir John, as he is now, suggested it was disrespectful to air it so soon after the Queen's death in September, and dismissed some depictions as malicious nonsense. In response, Netflix issued a disclaimer reminding audience that the show is a fictional dramatization. Daily Quiz Our baristas will serve you a new question each day this week. On Friday, your challenge is to give us all five answers and, as important, tell us the connecting theme. Email your responses and include mention of your home city and country by 1700 BST on Friday to quizespresso at economist.com. We'll pick randomly from those with the right answers and crown one winner per continent on Saturday. Wednesday. Which boxer won the 1960 Olympic light heavyweight title in Rome, but was then refused service in a Kentucky restaurant when he returned to America? Tuesday. Go Set a Watchman was the second published novel of which famous author? Finally, here's the quote of the day from Carl Sagan 
who was born on this day in 1934. Somewhere, something incredible is waiting to be known. That's the world in brief from The Economist, available three times every day of the week. You can also hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, on your podcast app. And subscribers to The Economist have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app to start listening.